good we'll always recognize when we see your glory flying there's a lot of men dead so we can sleep in peace at night when we lay down our heads my daddy served in the army we lost his right eye but he flew a flag out in our yard till the day that he died he wanted my mother my brother my sister and me to grow up and live happy in the land of the free now this nation that i love is falling under attack a mighty sucker punch came flying in from somewhere in the back soon as we could see clearly through our big black eye man we lit up your world like the fourth of Patriots, fellow citizens, and even non-citizens, as we mourn the passing of the great patriot, uh, Toby Keith, this week, at age 62 from stomach cancer. Uh, what a patriot. He uh, really, after 9-11, his songs helped bring back American pride, and he never abandoned the soldiers in Afghanistan and Iraq. He did many, many tours and uh, great songs like that you know, inspired us to rise up and defend our country despite the, the lies that were told to us by our government and the, the tremendous waste of, of, of human life and, and money in wars that should never have been fought. He was a true patriot, and we will miss him. 
and uh, we wanted to honor him to start the show. My name is Tom Zawistowski. I am the host of this show, and I'm the president of the We the People Convention. And this uh, podcast and our website and our emails and our text messages and our phone app and our donations to conservative groups across the country and the events that we put on are all paid for by the generous donations of the donors to the We the People Convention. And I can't thank you enough, those of you who, who use your hard-earned money to fund this organization and our fight to protect and defend individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. Thank you to all of you who donate. And if you'd like to join them, uh, you can go to wethepeopleconvention.org and just click on the donate link. For those of you who have been longtime viewers and listeners, welcome to this week's show. It's been a really busy week, and we've got a lot to cover. For those of you who are new to this podcast, uh, this is basically a weekly news aggregation show. Our goal is to fight through all the propaganda and lies, try to find the truth in stories that affect your life, your community, your family, and, and focus on those things that are really important to the American way of life and to our individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. And then we don't just talk about the stories, you know, we put them in context, we kind of connect the dots that you won't get anywhere else, but we also take action. We're about protecting and defending our individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity by acting, by interacting with our representatives who don't represent us, with those who we vote for and work for, but also by using our money and our time and our effort to fight the fight for freedom and liberty, because that's what's under attack like never before in history. And so I'm going to get on with the show because there's an awful lot to cover this week. And, um, you know, I, I want to you know, remind all of you that this flag is not flying upside down out of disrespect for our nation. We would never disrespect our nation. We fly the flag upside down because it is a symbol, a warning to our fellow citizens that we as a nation are in great distress and extreme danger to life and property. And that's just not my opinion. Those are the facts. And you'll hear a lot about that in this show, in this podcast. But we also want people to understand that this is all because China is intending to replace us as the dominant power in the world. That's what this is all about. Everything that's happening is tied to China. It all goes back to China. And uh, we had a great story last week about how the FBI director says China's you know, trying to destroy our infrastructure. Wake up. Make sure everyone around you knows who the enemy is. It's communist China. Those of you who watch the podcast all the time know that we... We really you know, try to remember the January 6th political prisoners are being held illegally in the gulags of Washington, D.C. And uh, why do we remember them? We remember them because they're the canary in the, in the coal mine. They're the people who uh, could be us, who are basically showing the corruption of the regime that's taken hold of our government, the Marxists and tyrants who are breaking the law, not enforcing the law. They're, they're, you know, they're just destroying the rule of law to illegally persecute, not prosecute, these uh, political prisoners. And until they are free, 
And until they are made whole, and until these criminals who are breaking the law in the DOJ, the FBI, the Washington, D.C. court system, the prosecutors, the judges, and the, uh, and the prison officials, and the guards who are torturing these people, um, until that happens, we will not be the United States of America again. And that's what we're fighting for. That's one of the ways we define victory. When that happens, you'll know that America is returning to greatness because not because of revenge. We're not out for revenge. We're out to reestablish the rule of law. And when we're done with our prayer, which we say every week for the prisoners, I'm going to prove what I just said is true. So join me. Pray for the prisoners, for God to give them the strength and courage to persevere through this ordeal and for their families to stick with them and continue to love them and to be there for them when they come home and for their attorneys so that God can give them the ability to fight through this this illegal, corrupt system and, and protect them as best they can until we can take back control of our nation and our DOJ and, and our court system. Join me in a short prayer. It's never been more important for you to pray. Many of you know that we have a relationship with Jake Lang. We've had him on our podcast many times. We've we've donated to his cause. We've, we've helped pay for his attorneys. We've helped uh, pay for the appeal to the Supreme Court on the bogus charge of obstructing official proceedings. This will be hard for me to get through, so bear with me. But there's been a, a turn of events uh, that is very disturbing that has happened this week, and I'm going to make you aware of that right now. So let me read to you some tweets that Jake was able to post this week. Uh, Jake said on February 6th, emergency. Uh, he wrote this to his fiancée. Babe, they just grabbed me and moved me over to the bad part of the D.C. jail. I'm in Unit South 1, the whole of Central Detention Facility. Now I'm in a separate building, away from the other January 6th political prisoners. 24-7 solitary confinement, handcuffed to take shower or come out for recreation every other day for only two hours. No in-person visits, no bowls or utensils to eat from not allowed to have a bar of soap, limited commissary items, and worst, they took my discovery laptop and my hard drives and I've been, that I've been using to build exhibits for my trial. I'm now with the other real DC jail inmates, carjackers, thugs, gang members. Probable retaliation for the new, probably retaliation for the new bond motion we just submitted and a change of venue jury poll bias data we obtained trying to shut me up. We covered that on our podcast. They did a poll of Washington, D.C., you know, people who are eligible to be on juries and found there's no chance that any of the January 6th political prisoners could ever get a fair trial in, in Washington, D.C. There's not a chance in hell. And they proved that. They didn't like that very much, the, the powers that be. 
But God is still good and we'll make it through with his grace. I love you. Please have everyone call the U.S. Marshals and see what's going on. My cell is like a dungeon. Everyone, please call and make a complaint about the obvious retaliation and cruel and unusual punishment they are doing to Jake and the seven, uh, other January Sixers. Call the U.S. Marshals at 703-740-8132. Uh, call the D.C. Uh, Jail Assistant Warden 202-790-6592. I'll skip that. This will be linked on our podcast page where you can see this actual tweet and the phone numbers. He then had an update on uh, the 7th, I believe it was. Yes, update. The D.C. Jail Housing Board quickly pulled me into their office today and said without question that was the most calls they've ever received about anything. They were completely inundated. They will have a solution for me tomorrow. The beatings will continue until morale improves, exclamation point. And tell them, until then, I'm in the word of God seeking refuge from this dungeon. I, I, I calm in the storm. Jesus, the friend of all who's brokenhearted. Read Luke 6 with me. Thank you to all who called. God bless you. Next up, let's bombard our congressional representatives. Hold them to account for the illegal torture of January 6th political prisoners on U.S. soil. Call your House representative and your senators. The next day, on the 8th, we got this update. Today, I got another rancid taste of the retaliation torture of the D.C. jails, U.S. Marshals, and corrupt Biden regime FBI. This is called diesel therapy. They woke me up at 4 a.m. and forced me into three-point shackles, hands, feet, and waist chained together like Hannibal Lecter. They tossed me in a van full of D.C. carjacker crooks and drove me to the U.S. federal courthouse and threw me in the freezing basement nicknamed The Tombs with metal benches for eight hours. And then they took a single photo of me, completely pointless. They transported me back to the D.C. jail gog to solitary confinement and kept me in a decrepit holding cell for another four hours. I just got back to my cell and it was completely ripped apart. Paperwork everywhere, searching for whatever legal documents I had left they didn't destroy when they moved me two days ago. I'm still in 24-7 solitary confinement unit without soap, deodorant, or toothbrush, cups, bowls, or utensils. But God's grace is sufficient. In the name of Jesus, the mountain has to move. Was this the solution the DCLJO officers promised me yesterday? God help us. Our criminal justice system is run by masochistic madmen. Call your congressman, please, for the love of God and country. These will be linked on our podcast page. You've got to do what you think you've got to do. But if that doesn't move you to say this is wrong and to demand the action, I don't know what else will. I want to call your attention to something that came out this week that got no attention whatsoever. And it's on our podcast uh, website. It's on our website at wethepeopleconvention.org under the video section. Uh, Representative Matt Gates and Stefanik, uh, Aline, uh, Aline Stefanik from New York, have put forward a resolution basically saying there was no, res- there was no ins- uh, insurrection and that Donald Trump had nothing to do with insurrection as a response to 
the insanity of what's going on at the Supreme Court uh, with this plot to try to throw Donald Trump off the ballot for bogus charges. And we'll, we'll cover that later, okay? But I, I put this up for you because too often you don't hear our representatives speaking for us, defending us, calling out the media and the left. This video is an hour long because there's 25 House representatives who speak each for like five or 10 minutes. And this, this bill that uh, Gates has put forward is actually co-sponsored, has 63 co-sponsors in the House. The question is, why aren't there, you know, 100 and some? You know, why aren't there 200? And, and so, you know, I just put this up there because it will help you see that we're not alone and that they're not all brain dead and that they get it and they understand there was no insurrection and they put forward some great information that you haven't heard elsewhere. So I really think this is a video that you should go watch. I didn't play a clip because there's so much to cover in today's show. I really don't have many videos. Okay. Now you can see, you know, up here, we still have our 2024 victory fund, right? Fund the fight. I need you to donate to go to freedomforallpack.org www.freedomforallpack.org because we have to, you know, organize ourselves and get the resources to fight the fight that we're going to have here in 2024. So on the, the, the 2024, you know, Victory Fund page, if you go to our website, you'll see what I told you about last week, which was a letter to President Trump putting forward a plan to prepare to organize, to get, you know, the, the you know, Republican, you know, state parties in all 50 states, the grassroots and everyone to focus on what are we going to do to stop the left? Now, there was two big turns of events this week. I had written to Jenny Beth Martin uh, and some others saying, would you sign on to this letter for with me to send the President Trump uh, so that you know, maybe that would convince him to read it and, and take it to heart. Um, to my surprise, Jenny Beth basically said, we're going to send this to President Trump through our contacts. I didn't expect that. I then sent a, a copy to Bernie Marino, who's the Trump-endorsed U.S. Senate candidate in Ohio, who has connections to Trump and, and the, his inner circle, and said, would you please share this? He said, he read it and he said, this is great. I'm in complete agreement and I will forward this. Uh, we also had two other groups that said they were going to forward it. So the letter is going to President Trump and we'll see if he will, you know, take ownership of it and implement our plan, which you can read at our website at wethepeopleconvention.org. Prior to that happening, I think I decided that what I needed to do is turn our letter into a op-ed. I needed to, to try to get something placed in a major uh, conservative website like Breitbart or Town Hall or Red State or something. And so I have a, a firm that's helped me do this in the past, and I wrote an op-ed. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you or the plan, but I think I will put it on our website, you know, on the, uh, you know where the, the plan is located after this podcast is over. But let me just read to you what I wrote to start it out. The headline is, let's be honest. 
Conservatives have no plan for victory in 2024. However, fate has provided President Trump with a historic opportunity to change that right now. While the news has been filled lately with multiple stories of how the left not only is organizing to win the 2024 elections and stop Donald Trump from ever becoming president again, but literally organizing to break the law in every way possible to maintain their power, elections be damned. So what is happening on the conservative side to counter the left? Very little. While we all applaud and appreciate Turning Point USA's efforts to do the RNC's job like they did last week in Las Vegas, it's nowhere near enough. Unlike the left, in the past, groups like Tea Party Patriots, the NRA, and Turning Point and others pretty much worked independently to do what they could to get out the vote in key states and races. This year, that is not going to be close to enough against the unhinged and run-restrained efforts of the left to literally conduct a color revolution on our nation. Now, I link in, the, in this op-ed to five stories that will curl your hair about what the left is actually plotting and planning to do this year. So I'm trying to counter that. Fortunately, fate has dealt the conservatives a significant break that could not be planned like it is on the left. What did they do on the left? They said, JFK, you know, uh, you can't run, right? Robert F. Kennedy, you can't run. Uh, you know, nobody can run against Biden. We're clearing the decks. Why? So we have no primary and spend all our money to win the general. But now, but has now become a reality that must be leveraged by President Trump and the Make America Great Again patriots. What is this historic break? The Republican Party is, for all intents and purposes, over. The Republican primary is for all intents and purposes over. Instead of wasting hundreds of millions of dollars and months of time and effort on meaningless primaries, President Trump and his conservative army can now focus instead on organizing and implementing a plan for victory that will turn out the voters necessary to win and protect the integrity of the vote in each state so that those votes are counted fairly. And then I go into our plan. So we're hoping to get some public involvement with this but I did want you to know that it's now in President Trump's hands. And my only question to President Trump, and I, and I close the, the, the document by saying, uh, you know, that, Mr. President, if you don't provide the leadership necessary to make it happen, none of this happens. The only question really is, why wouldn't you do this or something like it? That's really the question. The answer isn't, well, no, we're not going to do your plan. It has to be, we're going to do this plan instead. But it can't be there is no plan. And as you'll see, you know, the, in a little bit, you know, about the RNC change of leadership, that's not the answer, folks, either. So we're doing what we can, but I need you, I need you to fund the fight. We need the money to do the things we need to do to win across this country, to elect Donald Trump, to stop the election fraud, to win the Senate, and to protect the House. And I'll talk more about how important that is. Uh, as we go through some of these other stories. So let's move forward now. Now, the story this week was the Supreme Court's hearing on the bogus attempt to throw Trump off the ballot. It wasn't, the story wasn't Joe Biden's not being charged, and we'll cover that. But notice that the Biden document scandal case was announced 
right after the Supreme Court hearing was held. Why? To distract you. To distract you. To kill the news cycle. And it worked. Fox News and all those guys took it hook, line, and sicker. They just got, they got smoked. Okay? We're not going to be. This is the story that you needed to pay attention to. Supreme Court demolishes left's anti-Trump ballot case as undemocratic. Okay? And my headline says, left's lawfare attack on democracy implodes at Supreme Court. The left's plan to undermine democracy in order to defend democracy because they say Trump is a threat to democracy implodes at the Supreme Court as they expose their anti-Trump ballot efforts would be undemocratic. Okay? Follow that paragraph. Lawyers from the left and the Colorado Secretary of State argued Thursday before skeptical Supreme Court justices that former President Donald Trump should be kept off the ballot in Colorado and other states because they say he violated the 14th Amendment by participating or inciting an insurrection on January 6, 2021. The problem for them is that Trump has not been charged with or been convicted of an insurrection. So this is phony baloney off the top, okay? Off the top. This is a plan, which I will expose next, to basically use up resources, convince the public that Trump's a criminal, and then maybe get lucky and get him off the ballot. Surprisingly, even liberal justices, Sotomayor and Ketanji Brown-Jackson, appeared doubtful about the merits of Colorado's case. Conservative justices also weighed in, and their questions appear to indicate that they would side with the former president in this case. Brett Kavanaugh got straight to the point asking, how is this democratic? Your position has the effect of disenfranchising voters to a significant degree, Justice Kavanaugh said in one of the more striking exchanges with attorneys. What about the background principle, if you agree, of democracy? They accuse Trump and you and I of trying to, you know, thwart democracy. But who's really doing it? They are, okay? So at this story, right? So if you go to wethepeopleconvention.org, you go to this story, and you'll get the stuff about what happens to the Supreme Court. We think it's going to be a 9-0 decision, maybe 8-1. It'd be a travesty if it's even 8-1, because there's no case here. But at the bottom of this article, scroll down, you'll see President Trump's video where he speaks after the Supreme Court ruling, which NBC, MSLSD, you know, MS, NBC, and, and the Clinton News Network, CNN, both cut away. Trump started to speak and they said, oh, he has nothing to say. You know, we're going to move on. You can watch it there. But at, underneath his picture, you need to read from there down. This is from an article in Breitbart. The American public must know that this case has nothing to do with law and that it is actually a diabolical plan by the radical anti-democratic Marxist left to drain Donald Trump of resources, convince the public that Trump ran an insurrection that wasn't an insurrection, and interfere with the 2024 elections. That's what this is about. And you will read about, from, there's a lot more to this, about this group called the, the um, Indivisibles, that have been dogging Trump since he won and responsible for all the impeachments that Trump went under and everything else that's funded by these leftist billionaires, okay? And that basically, they orchestrated the entire thing. They wrote 
all these things up to these, these state attorney generals and said, you need to use the 14th Amendment to throw Trump off the ballot. It's all lawfare. It's all an assault on our electoral system. These people need to be arrested. There needs to be a RICO going on. So at the end of the day, when the media was just blown away because, you know, even Kataji Brown said it's undemocratic, okay? Then you start to hear this, and listen to this. They start to say, well, you may not be able to throw Trump off the ballot, but even if he wins, if we win the Congress, we can refuse to seat him as president. Do you understand why it's so important to fund, right, to fund the fight? reason why you understand how we cannot just win the presidency. We can't just keep the House. We have to take the Senate and the House with way bigger numbers and the presidency because they are going to do everything, legal and illegal. And at the end of that article, there's a link to the whole Breitbart story. You read about what's going on because we are being attacked from within by corrupt people who hate you, hate America, and they talk about it's not a democracy, it's our democracy. Democracy as they defend it. I got news for you. It ain't a freaking democracy at all. It's a republic, a representative republic. And in this, this, this op-ed that I'm going to post where our plan is, you click on the links where I say how they're plotting every way to steal this election, elections be damned. You read those stories, and you'll understand why you got to go all in. You can't hold back. None of us can hold back. We're in the fight of our lives, and if you doubt it, go read those articles. So then the next story, the, you know, the secondary story, was special counsel finds Biden guilty but too old and demented to be convicted. And basically, our headline says, Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton 2.0. Biden is guilty, but will not be charged. Just like Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden will not be charged, even though he illegally took and kept and shared classified documents. That's, they put that in the report. He's guilty. And, and the media said, oh, they didn't charge him, so he's not guilty. No, no. He's guilty as sin. They said they're not going to charge him because how do you not charge him if he's guilty of sin? Well, just like Jim Comey did with Hillary Clinton. And in this story on our website, I put the Jim Comey, Comey video from 2016, July 2016, where he says Hillary Clinton broke all these laws, but no reasonable prosecutor would bring this case. Okay? Same damn thing. But then Biden commits an unforced error. He goes on your TV, talks to the nation, and basically proves that the, the, the DOJ report, her special counsel report, is true because he proceeds to not be able to remember where the rosary he got uh, to carries around about his son's death, what church he got it from. He confuses Mexico with Syria. He proves their point that the guy's not able to be president, okay? And now it's panic city. 
and people are calling for the 25th Amendment. None of that's going to happen, folks. If Joe Biden died, you wouldn't know until after next January. Okay, you wouldn't know. He'd be, uh, he'd be traveling, don't you know? So the bottom line is the report shows that he, he had documents. He had documents from Ukraine. He shared them illegally. He shared them with a biographer that was doing his book, okay? This guy had no security clearance. Biden's showing him classified documents. Biden lies in his little speech, this self-destructive speech. He says, I never had classified documents with Trump did, like with the, you know, the uh, security, you know, red security top secret thing on him. He had over 300 in his garage. And, and, and here's Trump, whose documents are in a locked room that the FBI and DOJ have approved. They even said, put another lock on it, and they did, protected by Secret Service agents, and you're going to claim that Donald Trump is a national security threat because he can't handle classified documents, which he was allowed to declassify as president, and Joe Biden wasn't. So Trump's case just got a lot better, got a lot better. And Joe Biden, basically, folks, there's no other way to see it. The deep state is taking Joe Biden out. He would have been better off if they charged him. He would have been better off. This politically assassinates him. And so now the Marxist left, who wants to stay in power, are in trouble because you got the idiot Kamala that they don't want. Not only do we not want her, they don't want her. Okay? So what are they going to do? Well, I think they're going to try to keep Biden alive until the convention and then swap him out. Who knows what they're going to do? But what you need to know is not only is the president of the United States a criminal and, and, and someone who's owned by China, he now is so mentally impaired that he should not have anything to do with our nuclear codes or foreign policy. That's how bad a shape we're in as a country, folks. And we need to punish the people who did this. And we do that at the polls starting in November. And then we do that by implementing Project 2025 and basically restoring the rule of law and our constitution by reducing the size of government and the power of government and getting rid of the deep state and all of these criminals who've lived off of us by stealing our money for our whole bloody lives. So it was a good week for us to see Biden implode. And, uh, and I think it proves what I had said to you before, that the deep state is turning on Biden and they may end up having to support Trump and, and put him in office because they are fearing the consequences. In the meantime, you know, the corruption just keeps going. Biden used private email and fake names for official business, shared White House communications with family, right? Yeah, this sounds like Hillary Clinton, right? This is from Just the News, and uh, John Solomon uh, broke this story, which nobody wanted to pick up because all this other stuff is going on. As early as 2010, Joe Biden routinely used a private email account with a fake name to conduct official government business as vice president, at times copied his son and brother on exchanges that include some of the highest-ranking officials inside the White House, according to documents released under a historic lawsuit against the National Archives. The National Archives and Record Administration released this month 
to the Southeastern Legal Foundation, a public interest law firm, only 60 emails of the 82,000 pages of emails it says it preserved from Joe Biden's private pseudonym email accounts with his, from his time as vice president. The, uh, and basically, the emails uh, are initially released involve a Google email account that Joe Biden used called robinware456 at gmail.com and where, and where he sent, he used during the calendar year 2010, the second full year of Obama's presidency. So there you go. You're not allowed to do that, folks. Remember the Hillary Clinton thing? You can't use your private email for government business. He's including his brother and his and his son on emails about Ukraine, okay? About other government business. You think they weren't selling influence? Yeah, that's pretty much your proof there, right? Then Jim Jordan comes out with this. I'm sure you'll appreciate this. Biden administration pressured Amazon to not promote any vax books. Not only was the entire Biden regime illegally censoring free speech on social media, Jim Jordan just disclosed proof that Biden and the left were censoring anti-vax books as well. So get this. The House Judiciary Committee and the Weaponization Subpanel on Monday revealed internal documents secured by the subpoena of Amazon highlighting the Biden administration's efforts to address propaganda and misinformation books on the, uh, the online retailer sold. We're talking about Robert F. Kennedy's book about Fauci, right? We're talking about Dr. McCullough and, 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 and those guys. The Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan outlined the effort in an X-thread reminiscent of the Twitter files report that addressed federal involvement with that platform. Uh, the Amazon files, feeling pressure from the White House, internal docs subpoenaed by the judiciary indicate that Amazon bowed down to the Biden White House pressure to censor books. Kicking off his report, Jordan asserted, was a 2021 email from a White House official seeking an opportunity to discuss the high levels of propaganda and misinformation and disinformation on Amazon. Why was the Biden House White House so upset with Amazon? Because Amazon believes a retailers are different from social media communities and provide their customers with access to a variety of viewpoints. For the Biden administration, letting Americans think and read for themselves was unacceptable. This is completely illegal. The Constitution says flat out, the government cannot censor our speech and cannot compel others to. This is just like Facebook, Twitter, Google, all the rest. They basically threatened Amazon and said, if you don't stop promoting this disinformation, then we're going to hurt you. Yeah, that's why we, we got to fight, folks. That's why we got to fund the fight, right? So we can stop these criminals in our country. The Mayorkas impeachment vote came up this week, and many of you were confused because it was misreported. Four Republicans voted no. But you got to understand, remember, we've got Bill Johnson from Ohio has resigned, and, and they threw Santos out. So the Republican margin in the House is like one or two. Well, guess what? Steve Scalise has cancer and has been undergoing cancer treatments. So the problem was, how do you pass the impeachment without that? So here's the story. On Tuesday, House Republicans failed to muster enough support to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas uh, for his handling of the border crisis. 
Three GOP lawmakers broke ranks and voted, uh, joined all voting Democrats to defeat a resolution that could have made Mayorkas the first cabinet secretary to be impeached since 1876. The defectors included Ken Buck from Colorado, who's certifiably insane and is not running for re-election, Tom McClintock from California, and Mike Gallagher from Wisconsin. The final tally ended up being 214 to 216, falling two votes short of a simple majority needed for success. As House GOP Vice Chairman Blake Moore flipped to a no vote at the last moment, uh, members said Moore changed his vote to break a tie. So it would have been 215-215. He votes no to make it 214 to 216, so that a rep- gives the Republicans another chance to bring up the impeachment resolution in the future. So here's what's going to happen. Majority Leader Steve Solis was the sole missing vote. He has been out of Washington for several weeks to undergo a stem cell transplant as he battles blood cancer. Uh, Representative Alex Green, a Democrat for Texas, who had missed earlier votes in the day, showed up in a wheelchair just in time to cast a no vote against impeachment. Okay? There are also four vacancies in the House. So it was not immediately clear when Scalise will return to the Capitol, but Raj Shah, a spokesman for Speaker Mike Johnson, said House Republicans fully intend to bring the articles of impeachment against Secretary Mayorkas back to the floor when they have the votes for package passage. That will be this week. Scalise said, I'm, I'm in remission, and I'm going to be there for the vote. Now, it has to happen this week because of the timing. Here's what's going on. Timing will be a factor. With New York expected its it, it special election to replace the now former representative, George Santos, this coming week. And if the Democrats win, that will make it even harder. Matter of fact, you're starting to lose control of the House. So they're going to bring it in this week. They're going to impeach Mayorkas. Now, understand, we're not going to throw Mayorkas out. Even if we did, they would just replace him with some other Marxist moron. And it's because it's the Biden regime that's doing it, not Joe Biden, who's incoherent. It's the people, the Obama people around you know, the, the Biden administration who are pushing this open borders to destroy America, replace us, okay, with these millions of people, give them the right to vote so they can have control of the whole country. That's the plan. So impeaching Mayorkas doesn't do anything. But you know what the key is? The process is the punishment. I say this to you guys all the time. I want months of hearings explaining everything the Biden regime has done to open the borders to destroy America. That's what I want. That's what they're doing. That's excellent. Impeach him this week and then get into the hearings, folks. It was misreported to you. We're going to pass this. Mark my words, okay? All right. Then the Senate border bill. Oh, this thing they've been working on for months on end, don't you know? That's going to, you know, Close our border, but fund Ukraine and Israel, right? What a lie. What a damn lie. Speaker Johnson called Senate border bill dead on arrival because he basically said it's worse than it, than we thought. It was a piece of garbage. Dems, leftists, and media allies are now trying to claim. See, you put up this bill that doesn't do what you say, okay? And then... Of course, 
Johnson rejects it, and then they say this. Dems, leftists, and media allies now try to claim the border crisis is the fault of Trump and Republicans because Republicans will not pass the Senate open borders forever bill. Biden needs no new authority to close the border, and this bill is another scam that does the opposite of what they claim. It's a trap. And so they're out there saying, Donald Trump told them to reject this because it helps him in the election to have all this border stuff. Horse hockey. It's all bullcrap talking points. And you got to talk to your you know, sphere of influence and say, so let's figure this out. They put forward a bill that guarantees like up to 10,000 illegals a day forever. And only after they do that can the president stop that. And then it's only for 45 days. And oh yeah, and in this bill, it says you can't challenge any of the borders things in your federal court like the Texas has been doing with the Fifth Circuit in Louisiana, I think it is, fifth or sixth. They say in this bill that it all now has to go to Washington, D.C. If you want to challenge anything, it's got to go to the D.C. courts. Oh, yeah, the same D.C. courts that are treating Jack, Jake Lang like a, a, a Nazi prisoner at Auschwitz, right? It's a trap. Don't buy it. Unfortunately, we're not buying it. And even Mitch McConnell, who supported it, caved and said, I'm not supporting it. And Langford, whose career is over. You people in Oklahoma, he's done. He's done. He's going to have some town halls in Oklahoma. You go to those town halls and say, go to hell. You betrayed us. Get the hell out. He should resign. Okay? But that's what this was. This is not, we care about you, the American people. This is not about, we care about blacks and Hispanics who are being hurt by this. I, I read a report that said wages are going to be suppressed for like 15 years because of this. No, we're not going to fix that. We're playing politics and we're going to trap you and still get our money to give throw away at Ukraine, okay, and, and, and not fund Israel properly, right? Yeah, but guess what? They're in panic mode. The dam breaks. Panic at DNC HQ as Dems hit flashing red lights territory with black and Hispanic voters, okay? Here's the story. The Democratic Party, let's see, uh, the most recent numbers from Gallup on this front suggest that Dems aren't looking at just trickling losses of support, but a flood as as fed up black and Hispanic Americans are saying adios to Democrats in droves. The Democratic Party's advantage over Republicans and party preferences for blacks and Hispanic adults in the U.S. has decreased by nearly 20 points in the past three years, according to a new uh, report from Gallup. The findings published Wednesday show the difference in how many black adults identify as Democrat or lean Democrat and those who identify as Republican or lean Republican decreased from 66% in 2020 to roughly 47% in 2023. That number marks the smallest gap the pollsters have recorded for Democrats since it began collecting data in 1999. Gallup found that historical low support for Democrats was also true among Hispanic adults. 
Those who identify as or lean Democratic saw only a 12-point advantage in 2023, down from a 28% advantage in 2020 over those who lean or identify Republican, Republican, according to the report. They have no way to win but to cheat. We have to stop them from cheating. And yes, for those of you, you know, Debbie Downers who want to keep saying, they're going to cheat, we can't stop them. Bullcrap. We're going to fight them. They're not just going to get to cheat. We are organizing. There's groups all over this country. There's millions of us fighting at our local board of election levels, at our state levels. This ain't going to be just, they can do whatever they want, we're just going to sit there. The fight is on. So don't give me this negativity. Tell me how you're going to fight. Don't tell me that we can't win. I don't want to hear that from any of you. Tell me how we're going to win. That's what it's about. And here's Trump winning again. Trump glides to victory in Nevada caucus. Okay, and so basically in Nevada, they had a primary, but the, the Republican Party rejected it and held a caucus as well. So Nikki Haley is on the ballot in the uh, Nevada primary last this week, and Trump isn't on the ballot. She loses by like 40 points to someone else on the ballot. In other words, she lost to nobody. She really lost to Trump, but she finished second by a huge margin. Totally embarrassed her while Trump got 99% of the vote in the Nevada caucus and gets all their delegates to the convention. Nikki Haley is a tool of the left and the military-industrial complex. She is only there, and Fox News should be ashamed to pretend that she's a real presidential candidate. She has no chance of winning anything, never did. She's a total creation of the anti-Trump, Lincoln Project, etc. Ignore her. She's got no chance to do anything. This is another big win by Trump you didn't hear about. Donald Trump and the First Amendment win the day on redacted filings release. This is really a good story. Former President Donald Trump received a procedural win in the classified doctor's case styled United States of America versus Donald Trump. Uh, Special Counsel Jack Smith sought to preserve the redaction of court filings of discovery documents which contain information about government witnesses. In a surprising show of solidarity, news media organizations, including the Associated Press, New York Times, and others, filed a motion to intervene, arguing the court to make sure the redactions were fully justified. U.S. District Judge Aileen Cannon weighed on the, in on the side of the First Amendment and ruled that the unredacted filings should be released in part. The judge overseeing the federal government's prosecution of Donald Trump over the former president's alleged wrong rule retaining of documents in his home at Mar-a-Lago, has ruled that unredacted versions of the filings contain the names of government witnesses will be made public. The Tuesday ruling from the U.S. District Judge says Special Counsel Jack Smith failed to make his case to keep the documents redacted. So again, they wanted to try Trump and, and have people accuse him or make statements against him without him knowing who they are. That's just not legal. And they want to make the case, well, these people would be subject to uh, personal attack and, and you know, all this stuff. So what? What are you doing to Donald Trump and everybody around him that you're disclosing? So Smith freaked out 
And now he's appealing and demanding she reverse it. She's not going to reverse it. This is damning to him because you know what? Their government witnesses are bogus. That's why he doesn't want you to know who they are. They're people who were not really knowing what was going on. They're testifying through hearsay. Big win for Trump and his team. Way to go. Now, I think a lot of you will call us a big win, not just for Trump and his team, but for us. And I know Charlie Kirk and all those guys are excited. Steve Bannon, because... Republican National Committee Chairman Ronna McDaniel has said that she's going to resign after the South Carolina primary. McDaniels has reportedly told former President Donald Trump that she will step down after South Carolina's GOP primary on February 24th. The New York Times reported, citing two people familiar with the plans. I love when the Republican things happen that the New York Times gets the leak, which tells you that the RNC isn't with us. Otherwise, Breitbart would get the leak, right? Not the New York Times, right? So watch what they do, not what they say, all right? Trump and McDaniel reportedly met on Monday at Mar-a-Lago, and after he said some good things about her, he basically said after the South Carolina primary, um, he will let his recommendations uh, out about the RNC. Uh, sources told the New York Times that Trump is likely to recommend North Carolina GOP chairman Michael Watley to succeed her, though he would need to win the leadership's election to claim the job. In other words, Trump just can't say, put this person in. They have to vote on it, but obviously he's going to have a lot of influence. My problem is this guy from North Carolina is another one of these people that Trump loves for all the wrong reasons. Okay? He was a guy who said the election was stolen and, and hope it helped Trump in North Carolina. But he's not MAGA, and he doesn't know crap. He's a lawyer about how to build a ground game and win this election against these unbelievable global forces that are trying to keep control of our country. So don't expect anything from this, folks. I mean, everybody's going to be all excited. Yeah, it's about the same thing as what happened when we got rid of McCarthy and got Johnson. Yeah, nothing. Okay, we got to do this. We've got to fund our own fight and we got to do our plan. President Trump needs to get behind and show leadership and put a plan together. Because if you're waiting for the RNC, folks, we're going to get slaughtered. We're going to get slaughtered. So we've got two more stories before the break. This one is interesting. Tucker Carlson went to Moscow and interviewed Putin. For two and a half hours. And I watched it and the end. And it's not just on Tucker Carlson, you know, network. It's on YouTube and all kinds of places. And it was interesting. But I, I'm not sure it was a great move for Tucker. He's taking a lot of criticism. And now I'm hearing that the Kremlin edited some of Carlson's questions out that Putin didn't like. If that's true, I got a real problem with that. We will be very interested to hear what Tucker Carlson says once he gets back into the United States where he can speak freely, kind of, okay? But some of the things Putin said were very important to me. He basically said that the U.S. and the West, after the Cold War, Putin thought we would become part of Europe. We're a European country. After the Cold War ended and the Soviet Union broke up, he said, communism is gone from our, our country. Most of us forget that, okay? And we want to be in the West. And we rejected them. 
Why? Why did we do that? Then he said, after you rejected us, we said, okay, just leave us alone. And you staged a coup, your CIA, and this is a fact, our CIA overthrew the government of Ukraine before Zelensky, okay? And we, we staged a color revolution there. And then we start talking about them becoming part of NATO, which was the red line. That was the red line because, as, as Putin explained, you know, a lot of people in Ukraine, that used to be Russian territory. And they were a buffer between NATO and Russia. And now you want to put NATO on our border. That was the trigger. He said, you could have avoided war. You didn't. You didn't. And then he said, a year and a half ago, we were negotiating a peace deal. You guys said, if you leave Kiev and, and, and you know, come to the table, we'll do a peace deal. In Istanbul, they were negotiating. And Boris Johnson... Then Prime Minister UK, he, he put the deal down. <coughs> the, the US and the West said, no, we don't want peace. We want to keep the war going so we can bleed Russia of weapons. That's what's going on here, folks. He also said the CIA blew up the Nordstrom pipeline. Maybe yes, maybe no. The question is, why is it Germany saying who did it? They had to know who did it. He brought up some great things about what's going on with Germany, who's being damaged severely because of the lack of natural gas and stuff going to their country. How come they're not complaining? How come they won't say to Poland? Russia has pipelines going through Ukraine, going through Poland to Germany, and they're not stopping the gas from coming, but Germany is. Very interesting interview. I, I, I mean, others are going to have to analyze it, but it may be worth your time. There's a, a whole big section at the beginning that was really kind of strange because it was of a history of the Soviet Union, but it did kind of give you some context as to what Putin's thinking. The one thing you'll see for sure is Putin's a hell of a lot more together mentally than Joe Biden. That's for damn sure. And he's a lot smarter than a lot of people on our side. Okay, last story before the break. And I want you to know this. Tara Reid reveals FBI targeted her as a Russian asset after she spoke out about sexual assault by Joe Biden. Tara Reid is the woman who was a Senate aide who before the 2020 election, when everybody you know, was talking about how Trump you know, had affairs and, and raped this woman in, in, in New York, which is a total farce, okay? But Tara Reid really accused Joe Biden of sexual assault. And, oh, the Me Too moment didn't apply to her, right? No, all, you got to believe all women except for Tara Reid. Instead, here's what happened to her. In 2020, Tara, Tara Reid courageously came forward with credible sexual assault allegations against Joe Biden when he was a candidate. Recently, Tara relocated to Russia and is pursuing legal action against the Department of Justice for alleged misconduct because she was targeted by the FBI. She said, when this first started, I was getting death threats. I was thinking this was coming from the outside, maybe someone unhinged or a bad actor or whatever. So I did what any normal citizen would do, and I went to the FBI for help. Little did I know that the FBI was targeting me. 
The Biden administration had named me as a Russian asset back in 2019 and went from there. So I went to the FBI for help and didn't get it. And then as things progressed and Biden became president, it became clear that I was a target. Then a sealed case came forward in 2020 from the DOJ through the FBI. And the only reason I knew about it is because it was a sealed case is that Twitter's attorney reached out to me and said, here's a sealed warrant. He gave me the sealed warrant that the DOJ had put, uh, had told them to give them all my Twitter communications. And they also, in this conversation, told me that all my communications, meaning emails and any other social media I had been uh, looked at by the FBI. To what end? Well, to find out who I was talking to and what I was doing, probably most likely. And then also, it was to terrorize me and intimidate me. And it was very intimidating, particularly feeling like when I was trying to tell the truth, suddenly the government was coming after me. Now that Biden had the full powers of the presidency, he was able to weaponize the DOJ and FBI at will. And so I let, John, uh, let them know, you know, the, the media know that this was happening. This week, Tara Reid filed a lawsuit against the Department of Justice in response to her claims of alleged FBI operations targeting her. She ended up going to Russia to get away from the deep state targeting her, a victim of sexual assault by Senator Joe Biden, okay, who's now the resident of the White House, the illegitimate president. But instead of listening to her and having any investigations, they drove her out of the country. That's why we got to fund the fight. That's why we got to fight the fight. That's why we got to win the fight. You've been listening to the We The People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski, and we'll be back after these short messages. The We The People Convention News and Opinion Radio Program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We The People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We The People Convention, P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. When you're playing a video, including our podcast, you'll see this little cloud button, and if you click it, it'll actually download the, po- the video to your hard disk. And this works on our podcast page as well. If, you, if you're playing our podcast, and it's going to be loud, so I won't play it for much, but there's our podcast playing, and you can see this little you know, download button, okay? The other thing you got to notice on our podcast page is that there's a link here where you can send me a message about this podcast. Hey, it was great. Hey, I didn't like it. What, you know, something was wrong, or here's a correction, that kind of thing. You can use that link. And then these are the stories that I covered in this particular podcast. And you'll see there's links that go to the stories, that, to the articles that I used in reporting on that. So you can, you can click on that. Um, you'll also see that um, you can sign up for our emails and text messages, but you can also watch our podcast on Roku TV and on Amazon Fire TV. And these are the instructions for doing that. So this is all on our, our podcast page, right? Right on the front page where the yellow button was. So if you click there, you know, this is our podcast page. These are the instructions for watching on Roku TV or Amazon Fire. And I watch our podcast on TV. It just feels more comfortable. Uh, so you can do that. We're also on Rumble. Uh, if you go to Rumble, uh, you should join Rumble. 
Uh, and, you know, it's Tom Z at WTPC. You'll see our podcast there. So you can get us a lot of different ways, including on Apple iTunes. And then this is an audio uh, version of our podcast. If you click here, it'll just play the audio of the podcast. It will not, uh, you, know, uh, you know, show you the video. So people can, you know, listen to that while they're jogging or, you know, working out, working in the yard or just relaxing and just want to listen to the audio and not watch the video. And again, this is available on phone, on your iPad, on your laptop, on your computer, any way you want. And you can share, you know, this, this, you know, whatever you see, if you're on a page that you, you know, you really like and you know, you see an article that you think, geez, I've got to share this article, you know, with uh, someone in my family. You can send them an email by clicking on the little envelope. You can uh, post it on Parler or MeWe. And if you click on this, you get all kinds of options, you know, where you can put it on Twitter or Facebook, whatever, which we don't support. But uh, you can do whatever you want. So, so we ask that you share what uh, you see on our We the People convention site and that um, you get more people to look at it because uh, that's the whole idea here, to help uh, educate people, inform them. And then, as I said uh, before, Link, we're not just about talk, we're about action. And in my podcast every week, uh, which is published every Saturday, so if you, you know, the new podcast usually comes out every Saturday, and in that podcast, I will ask you to do certain things that will help protect and defend your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. So that's the We The People Convention website. Come back often, use it uh, to be informed, be informed, and uh, share it with others. Thanks a lot. All right, and welcome back uh, for the second half of the show. Thank you for everyone who donates, but we know everyone can't donate. Thank you for all of those who share this podcast with others. And with our new chapters player, you don't have to watch the whole show end to end. You can literally go through the list of topics and just click and the video for that topic will start playing. So that's a way to help you manage the show. I know two hours is a long time. Many of you enjoy watching it end to end. Others, you know, don't have that much time. Use the chapters player, which is ready on Sundays. It takes about a day for them to process the, the video of our, our podcast. Uh, we are also on Twitter. And I need you to, to follow us and share us on social media. We're at uh, Tom Z WTPC. That's on Twitter, on True Social, and MeWe. Those are the only uh, social media we're on. But the key is that you share this podcast and then you take action. At the beginning of this uh, podcast, I gave you information about Jake Lang that was very, very important. I need you to share that with your congressman. I need you to make calls to the jail and, and just drive them crazy, demand justice. We can't let them just torture him with immunity and impunity, okay? This is how we fight back. There will be other ass in this show as we go forward, but that's what it's about. So thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for those who donate, and thank you for everyone who's donating to the Victory Fund at freedomforallpack.org, www.freedomforallpack.org. This is the money we have to use for federal candidates. you got to go through a super PAC. The We the People Convention cannot do what's called electioneering. We can't buy ads. We can't you know, uh, do uh, text messaging things for electioneering purposes. It's got to go through our super PAC, 
That's why I need you to donate to the Super PAC, even if you're also donating to We The People Convention. All right, we have lots of more, uh, lots of good stories to cover here in the second half. This one really resonated with you guys, and I'm glad because I didn't know this was going on, and I'm sure you didn't either, and we need to know and we need to take action. Your property rights have been taken in all 50 states, and no one told you, okay? So that's that's the story uh, that's here. Now, if you go to the website, there's way more details, including you know what South Dakota's doing. Let me just try to give you an idea of, of what this is about. Uh, basically, they made a change, all right? The big banks pressured people to change the uh, Article 8 of the Universal Commercial Code. Uh, important laws in all 50 states have been added to state codes over the past three decades, specifically within provisions dealing with Article 8 of the Uniform Commercial Code. These laws drafted and propagated by the Influential Universal uh, in Influential Uniform Law Commission in tandem with powerful bank lobbyists were seemingly deliberately designed to revoke America's private property rights, specifically those related to investment securities such as those held in IRA and 401k accounts. Essentially, the world's largest financial institutions quietly prepared for the event of a major financial meltdown successfully lobbied state legislatures to change the way that collateral is held under state law. Among other things, these efforts have given creditors in the form of too-big-to-fail banks and other powerful financial interests priority claim over all wealth stored in investment securities such as stocks, bonds, mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, 401k accounts, etc. So now let me see if I can give you an example of this. To put this in simpler terms, consider the following example. If you were to contract, uh, contact your broker today to purchase 10 shares of a certain company, say Google, your broker would then add those 10 Google shares to your account. You would probably think that you own 10 shares of Google, you, but you wouldn't. What you would actually own is a security entitlement to the shares rather than the underlying shares themselves. This is explicitly stated throughout Article 8 of the Uniform Commercial Code. Under Article 8, Protected creditors of security intermediaries, intermediaries, such as the world's largest banks, are given priority ownership to security entitlements if they, if they use customer assets as collateral. What this means is that if your broker were to go bankrupt, the broker's secure creditors would be given priority over what you thought was your entitlement. You would become an unsecured creditor, and your claim to your securities would be at the very back of the line in the event of a wide-scale financial crash. Millions of investors could lose everything if, to those secured creditors. So South Carolina, excuse me, South Dakota has already you know, filed something uh, in their legislature to fix this. I'm asking you to call your legislature, you know, Senate and House, and say, we need to fix this. As an example, a group here in Ohio saw that story, and they wrote to our Attorney General Dave Yost, our Treasurer Robert Sprague, and our Secretary of State Frank LaRose. And th this is from the Lobbyists for Citizens in Lake County, two really great people, Brian Massey, a good friend, and Roxanne Premont. She said, a group of concerned citizens in Lake County, Ohio, fear that a financial crime of monumental proportions will soon take place. We are requesting that you take a close look at Section 8 of the Ohio Revised Code, which is based on and identical to the UCC Code, Section 8, File 3, all 50 states have adopted this same UCC code. 
We share concerns about this law that are raised by both the governor, Kesh Christi Nome of South Dakota, and the Heartland Institute in Illinois. See the link below. Okay? We ask that you please consider asking the legislature to change Ohio's UCC code to line up with South Dakota's HB 1199, restoring full personal property rights and securities to their rightful owners. Please consult with the Heartland Institute, a public policy think tank, for further guidance. Please read their full signed letters. And they put the link in there. Okay? So if you go to our website, you will see the, the stuff from the Heartland Institute and you will see the stuff from South Dakota, you need to send that to your state senator and state house member and say, we got to get this fixed, man. This is a crime. They've changed the law to steal your financial investments. Think that's important? Think this is important to protect and defend your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity? Hell yeah. Major ask. Don't think, go to wethepeopleconvention.org, read this article, and act, okay? It's, it's a high priority. If you have a 401k, if you have any investments at all, you need to act to protect your own freedom, liberty, and prosperity. Okay, so this, again, ties to what the government, which was formed by the people in the Constitution to protect our rights, Instead, they're acting to steal our rights, our liberty, and our property. Look what's going on in Atlanta. Squatters take over 1,200 homes in Atlanta, open illegal strip club, and terrorize neighbors. Is this even America? But this is where it's all breaking down. No rule of law. Squatters are ruining entire neighborhoods in Atlanta, and police response to evict is so slow, some owners, homeowners have resorted to paying nuisances to leave. Paying the people who occupy your home that you own, paying them to leave. No, you can't do that. Um, it's, I'd be terrified in Atlanta to lease out one of my properties, Matt Urbanski, who managed a local home cleaning company, told Bloomberg. Urbanski's company cleans out homes for corporate landholders and in some cases has to remove squatters' possessions. Recently, one of his employees was shot after attempting to remove intruders from a property. Evicting squatters in Atlanta is tough, involving negotiating court backlogs and strained police resources. Meanwhile, online listings and virtual real estate agents make it easy for squatters to identify vacant properties to break into. One neighbor told the Post, we we're afraid to even go on vacation because if squatters find out their home was vacant, they might just move right in. Is this even America anymore? We are homeowners and we can't even do anything about trespassers, the neighbor said in frustration. Yeah, where's your mayor? Where's your city council? Where's your district attorney? Where's your police? Nowhere to be found. They're too busy installing their woke agenda and hiring DEI people to ruin our country. It's going to affect you. There is no option not to fight them. You must fight them or they will destroy you. See my quote from Winston Churchill at the end of every show. This is uh, another thing that just drops out of, you know, not heard nothing. What the hell is going on in Maui after the de devastating wildfire, right? Remember, this was a huge story. This unbelievable fire 
in in Maui, uh, you know, in Hawaii, and never any explanation. What happened? How it happened? Why they didn't sound the the fire sirens? Burn the place to the ground. And what's going on now? Nothing. Nothing. But six months after Biden went to visit, somebody seems to be slow walking the recovery process and conspiracy theories are everywhere. Tuesday on Twitter X, Nick Sortor, a frequent government critic and sometimes Tucker Carlson guest, claimed that Lahana's cleanup literally just started roughly two weeks ago and he wants to know why. The thing happened six months ago. They just started cleaning up. He said, there are at least 2,100 properties charred from the fire. They're only clearing an average of two lots per weekday so far. Only seven trucks are running cleanup. If so, that's a damning report on progress not made after six months. Perhaps even worse, Sorter claimed to top it off, even if your lot is cleared, you're still not allowed to start rebuilding. See, there were these whole theories about smart cities and that this place was leveled because the property is worth billions because it's right on the ocean. And so big corporations don't want those pesky homeowners to be able to rebuild. They want to take the land, and the governor even talked about taking the land for like eminent domain. Yeah, where's the media on this story? Where's the insurance companies? Right? You you insured a building that's burned to the ground and they can't rebuild? Where are the attorneys for the uh, this the the residents? Again, they're not working for us. They're working against us. They must be replaced everywhere. Every democrat, communist, socialist, marxist must be out of government. They cannot be in government in our nation. They are anti-constitutionalists. They are anti-Americans. They are anti-capitalists. They are ignorant, college-indoctrinated fools. And you're putting them in office. What the hell's wrong with you? That's the message you got to get out to everybody. This is another bizarre story. And I don't think you've been watching this. Many of you will know Mark Stein because he used to be on Fox a lot, okay? And he, he's this guy from, he was a Canadian and stuff. So he's been in this lawsuit against uh, this, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my place. He's been in this lawsuit with uh, the guy that did the hockey stick. Remember the guy from Penn State, the scientist that Al Gore used in his, his book, you know, about the uh, climate change, the hockey stick about warming? It was all a fraud. It's been proven. The guy cooked the books. Well, billionaires, Marxists, funded this guy to sow Mark Stein and this guy Simberg for a, a, basically for attacking the guy for being a liar. A D.C. jury found against journalist Mark Stein and his co-defendant, Rand Simberg, and ordered to pay just over $1 million to climate scientist Michael Mann. These damages are very revealing and may provide the defendants the basis for their appeal. The jury essentially agreed with Simberg and Stein that Mann's claim of having suffered harm in the form of unexperienced, unexplained glance from strangers in a grocery store or grants that did not come his way with no evidence to show why were not evidence of meaningful harm. 
The jury's chose instead to punish the defendants through the punitive damages, essentially declaring the kinds of questions and points the defendants raised about man and his scientific conduct must be discouraged. They, they found that the evidence that man, what they claimed that Stein and Steinberg said, you know, he, he said was wrong, that they were wrong, but they wanted to discourage those kind of questions, don't you know, to defend the planet. Bill Nye, the science guy, attended the trial and reportedly approached juries and told them that he and Michael Mann were longtime friends. If this is substantiated, an appeals court may also find that the D.C. court failed in its obligation to protect the jurors from tampering. I recently expressed my hope the high absolute malice standard set forward in the famous Supreme Court precedent in New York Times versus Sullivan would shield Stein and Steinberg rights to free speech from Mann's lawsuit. We hope that defendants appeal and give an appeals court the opportunity to remind us all that free speech is the bed bedrock of civil rights. It is. So they, they again, this is lawfare in another form, right? We showed the lawfare against Trump with the bogus Colorado throw him off the ballot, right? There was no law there. They never intended to win that. They knew it was bogus, but they drained Trump of, of resources. Matter of fact, uh, I think it's Indiana or Illinois. The Illinois uh, Supreme Court refused to stop the case that they have to keep Trump off the ballot until the Supreme Court rules because they're draining resources from Trump. Well, this is a way to drain resources from what? Climate critics. There's no science here. Uh, there was a witness uh, at the trial. Uh, uh, her name was... Uh, uh, is it Curry, I think it is? Yeah, her name it was uh, Curry. She said, uh, her statement uh, in, in Stein's and Simber's defense, it wasn't accepted into evidence. She basically said that I you know, looked at the hockey stick fraud and, and basically proved that he had cooked the books and they wouldn't let her even put that in evidence in the trial. They just convicted him. A D.C. insane, woke jury convicted these people of, of basically asking questions. Media people, Mark Stein, asking questions. What the hell's going on? Well, you know what's going on. You will do what I tell you, comrade, or you will pay the consequences. So then this story came out. That was just crazy. And this is the, uh, the, the I talked to you last week about the job reports, right? The job reports, well, they're phony as hell. Not normal. Over 1 million jobs reported in 2023 didn't actually exist. The federal government in 2023 overestimated the number of jobs in the U.S. economy by an average of 105,000 per month in initial reports, equating to a cumulative monthly difference of 1.3 million, according to data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Okay. The cumulative number of jobs reported each month was 1,255,000 less than previously thought, with new seasonal and census data affecting total employment estimates, according to the Daily Caller News Foundation. The huge downward revisions are in spite of 115,000 upward revision in December, the only month that saw an upward revision to the employment levels in 2011, 2023. The biggest revision was for March. Revisions are normally part of the reporting process, but large changes or adjustments 
that consistently move in the same direction are not normal, said E.J. Antonani, a senior research fellow at the Heritage Foundation's Grover H. Herman Center for Federal Budget, told the Daily Caller News Foundation. Instead, they're indicative of something problematic with the BLS methodology. That can happen when market conditions change dramatically enough to be outside of the assumptions used in their models. No, no. They were changed because they wanted to cook the books. They wanted to lie to you about the Bidenomics success story. I'm trying to show you that they, if you scrutinize this, the, I didn't just say last week they were phony. There's the proof. They're phony. And we know it. The people working for a living know it. So that's important. And I wanted to share that with you. And then, you know, this was another important story. This was, remember the illegals uh, who, uh, who you know, basically beat up these New York City policemen and then gave us all the finger and then got on a bus and left, right? Remember that story? Well, they're not laughing now. Um, illegal aliens accused of beating up cops arrested in Arizona. We reported on the horrible attacks by a mob of illegal aliens and two NYPD officers near Times Square. The mob kicked the officers in the head as they lay on the ground. The group attacked the officers because they were trying to detain a suspect. Seven people were arrested, and then five of those were let go without bail, don't you know? One was in charge, and the other one was held on bail. The message that some of them gave America when they were released was disgusting, and we reported with two of them flipping us off. Okay? But they were caught getting off a Greyhound bus in Arizona, and now they're going to be charged. So they're not laughing anymore. But you know who should be crying? The people in New York State who have a clown like Alvin Bragg, who's their uh, you know, uh, district attorney, who didn't charge these guys. That's who should be crying. All you people in New York City, you're the ones who elected these clowns. You're suffering for your, your basically your misguided loyalty to the people who hate you. This is a great story. Toyota did not grow green with electric vehicles. Now they are going green in earnings. And that's what I love about this. The Biden administration has done its best to jam the green energy agenda down the throats of Americans. From telling the American public they need to give up their gas stoves and washing machines or to its war on fossil fuels. Joe Biden and his far-left green climate alarmist cohorts are determined to make life that much more difficult for Americans, all in the name of saving the planet. The biggest push for the Biden administration has been for the sale of electric vehicles. Federal and state government subsidies to manufacturers and purchase EVs have been given out like lollipops to both car companies and consumers. But one company has, has avoided the EV hoopla and has paid off for them big time. On Tuesday, Toyota announced that at the end of their fiscal year in March, they expect to see an annual profit of roughly $30 billion. And they are chalking it up to one very wise decision. Instead of going all in on completely electric vehicles, Toyota went, Toyota went with stressing its hybrid vehicles and hydrogen-powered vehicles. Proof that the decision paid off could be seen in Toyota's stock price. Toyota shares rose almost 50% in the last year, while many of the electric models produced by other manufacturers sit on dealerships' lots and sales lag. In the EV market, or lack of it, has been a boondoggle for American automakers. In July, Ford was forced to slash the price of his electric F-150 pickup truck by as much as $10,000 per unit because dealers could not move them. 
They, the Ford also projected an overall year-end loss of roughly $4.5 billion from its EV division, but having made a, pro- a profit in other parts of the company might just have been a telltale sign that Americans are not that excited about EVs. It's the same story at General Motors, where they are saying a fourth-quarter loss of $1.7 billion, pointing directly at electric vehicles. Here, here, go woke, go broke, make sense, be scrutinize what's going on, don't buy the lies. And that's what Toyota did. And they deserve all the credit. This is another really big story. Victory for Europe's farmers as Brussels caves in on emissions targets and eating less meat. The European Union has caved to angry protests from farmers, cutting its targets to scrap specific agricultural emissions, which form part of the bloc's net zero drive, the insane net zero impossible thing that they were trying to impose on the people of Europe. A demand to reduce nitrogen, methane, and other emissions linked to farming by almost a third has been removed from a wider Brussels plan to cut greenhouse gas emissions by 90% by 2040. On Tuesday, Ursula von der Leyen, the European Commission president, offered a further concession to demonstrating farmers by dropping her controversial proposal to, half pres- to cut pesticide use in half within six years. A recommendation urging U.S. citizens to eat less meat was also removed from the plan. The concessions came amid mounting demonstrations by farmers in Belgium, France, Germany, Italy, Poland, and Romania ahead of this year's EU elections. Spanish farmers on Tuesday joined the movement by blockading major highways with convoys of tractors and burning tires. Meanwhile, blockades at supermarket distribution centers have left shelves empty in Brussels, while several people have been injured in traffic accidents caused by farmers' protests in the Netherlands as they dumped rubbish and set fires uh, on the highways. That's bullcrap. And they did, they shut off the supermarkets in Brussels. Why? Because all the EU leadership is in Brussels. Learn what it's like to not have food, and maybe you'll change your position. Yeah, they did. The plight of the disillusioned farmers have become a political symbol ahead of the vote. To quell their angry protests, which has sometimes become violent and caused destruction. Shut up. Mrs. Von Leren acknowledged net zero rules targeting farmers would need to be watered down. Our farmers deserve to be listened to, she told the European Parliament in Strasbourg on Tuesday. I know that they are worried about the future of agriculture and their future as farmers, but they also know that agriculture needs to move to a more sustainable model of production so that their farms remain profitable in years to come. They were already doing that, folks. They didn't need you to tell them how to farm. Yeah, they will take care of their farms. It's called capitalism. Why would I destroy my own farm? They don't need you to impose your stupid rules on them that will destroy their farms and their livelihoods. The commission president admitted the proposal to cut pesticide use has become a symbol of polarization. Brussels is also rolling back on planned rules on animal welfare and allowing the cultivation of land left fallow to restore nature. Huge win in Europe. Why? They protested. Guess what? The Biden regime... The Marxist communists who are in control of our country and our agriculture department and our banks are doing the same thing to American farmers and ranchers. You've got to stand with them. You've got to buy meat. You've got to tell the grocery stores to defend the farmers. They're coming for our food because they hate humanity. Okay? It's that simple. Go look at the World Economic Forum's you know, website. They'll tell you 
There's too many people on the planet, don't you know? And then again, those morons, okay? The UN says melting Arctic ice is key indicator of climate change. Really? But it's not melting. You know, minor problem. It's not melting. Once again, they're getting scrutiny. See, they forget there's this thing called the internet now. And so when Al Gore was shoveling his bullcrap into the minds of our kids in schools and lying to them, we didn't have the tools we have now. Now you can expose them in a second. And that's what's happening here. It's bad news for polar bears, according to the most recent assessment report by the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Because of increasing carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gas emissions, modeling and simulations, modeling and simulations again, predict the Arctic will be without ice during the months of September by 2050. We project an ice-free Arctic in September under all scenarios considered a scientific report highlighting the IPCC fishing, uh, uh, you know, findings set. The results emphasize the profound impact of greenhouse gas emissions on the Arctic. Totally untrue. There is no carbon crisis. There's no carbon crisis, folks. Go watch on the We uh, the People Convention website. Go to the video sections and look for Jordan Peterson, who interviews the climate scientists, who will explain it to you. It's not true. However, a new report by Alan Ostrom Jensen, research director and CEO of the Nordic Institute of Product Sustainability and Environmental Chemistry and Toxicology in Denmark, how's that for the name of an organization, shows that from September 27, 2007 through September 2023, Arctic ice declines were near zero. The facts are that the Arctic ice extent measured by satellites since 1978 express annual variations and has declined considerably from 1997 to 2007. However, there has been no indication that from the time period from 1978 to 1986, the downward trend was minimal, and in the last 17 years, from 2007 to 2023, the downward trend has been absolute zero. Therefore, there is no indication that we would expect the Arctic ice summer ice to disappear completely as predicted in one or two decades. They're lying to scare kids to get you to vote for Marxist Democrats who want to destroy your life and hate kids and hate families and hate people. Okay? So that's how you do it. You expose them. This is another good story. Oklahoma GOP seeks ban on state promotion of pride. Oklahoma Republicans have launched a bill that would ban funding of promotions of radical LGBTQ ideology, including so-called pride celebrations, and prohibit the display of flags associated with radical LGBTQ plus movement from being displayed on state property. The Patriotism Not Pride Act, introduced by Oklahoma State Rep Kevin West and State Senator David Bullard, prohibits state funds being used by any agency to develop, organize, administer, engage in, promote, or endorse any activity, including any media, uh, any event, initiative, official communications, social media posts, education program, et cetera, et cetera, that will promote Intersex Pride Month or any event with a similar theme. The act further states that no flag that represents sexual orientation or gender identity may be displayed by an agency on state property or grounds. Oklahoma taxpayer dollars should not be used to promote or recognize activities that are not in line with the values of most Oklahomans. Hear, hear. 
said West, the groups would still have the freedom to express their views or opinions or tell the world about their lifestyle choices. They would simply not be able to use the state's resources to do so. Think this might be a good thing to enact in your state? Think this might be a story you might want to send to your state rep? The bill marks Oklahoma as the third state after Florida and Tennessee to introduce legislation to curtail state sponsorship of radical leftist ideology as Americans are increasingly pushing GAC against a movement many believe is trying to groom children for sexual exploitation. Hear, hear, Oklahoma. Ask for our viewers and fans in Oklahoma. Call your state, your Republican representative, and say thank you. Hear, hear. Help them get this passed into law, right? They don't want us to have, you know, uh, Bibles or the Ten Commandments in, in, in classrooms because, oh, you can't promote your ideology, but rise, raise that flag, the pride flag over your courthouse. What do you think that says? That says that we, the people, our government supports this perversion. We don't. Stop using our taxpayers to do so. Great move, Oklahoma. Keep it going. This is another important step. We need institutions to step up and fight the left's ideology. Pediatricians group says research doesn't support gender-affirming treatments. A review of 60 studies of mental health of transgenders identifying youth found that there is no long-term evidence that current gender-affirming, quote-unquote, medication and surgical protocols benefit their mental well-being, according to a group representing pediatricians. The American College of Pediatricians issued a positive statement, a position statement, on Wednesday opposing the gender transition of youth based on the literature review. It comes just after a watchdog group filed a scientific integrity complaint against the Department of Health and Human Services official Rachel Levin for claiming that there is no argument among medical professions regarding the value and importance of gender-affirming care. There is now. HHS provided only two pages to support the idea that gender transition in children was necessary. Levin, a man who believes he is a woman, has often dodged the question by saying that accredited medical professional groups agree that gender-affirming care is medically necessary. That's not true. In Sweden, they proved it's not true. That's a lie. This guy's mentally ill, and he's in the Biden regime. Okay, Why? To destroy our, our institutions that are supposed to protect our health and well-being and our children. The American College of Pediatricians is a small group of pediatricians, many of them conservative, that formed in part due to dismay over the way the much larger pediatric group, the American Association of Pediatrics, passed activist statements that are often used as if they represent the views of all pediatricians, even though only a handful were involved. Okay? Now, what is this about? If your organization, I don't care if you're an engineering group, if you're a, uh, some sort of an environmental group, if you're uh, you know carpenters group, I don't care what you are. If your national organization goes woke and they won't listen to you, you need to com- start a competing organization. We need to replace them. And you will win the majority of people. Now, they're going to throw money at them and power at them. Never you mind. Right is right. Stand up for right. And congratulations 
to the American Association, American College of Pediatricians for doing that. You guys have courage. If you have children, make sure you're taken to a pediatrician that's a member of the American College of Pediatricians, okay? Because then you're going to get good care. This is another important story. We've been worried about artificial intelligence, and now we're worried about the Marxist in our government using it against us. State attorneys general combat Joe Biden's move to use AI to censor disinformation. 20 state attorney generals have warned that President Joe Biden's executive order on artificial intelligence could, let's see, uh, could be used to censor information labeled as disinformation. The 28 general, attorney generals led by Utah Attorney General Sean Reese said in a letter to Commerce Secretary Gina Ryan Mondo, the executive order seeks, without congressional authorization, to centralize government control over an emerging technology being developed by the private sector. In doing so, the executive order opens the door to using the federal government's control over AI for political ends, such as censoring responses in the name of combating disinformation. The Biden executive order set new standards for artificial intelligence safety. The Biden administration said that the move would help protect Americans from fraud enabled by AI. However, the attorneys general said the move established a gatekeeping function for the Commerce Department to oversee AI development and force developers to go through an opaque and undemocratic process. That's interesting. We are further concerned that the executive orders, bureaucrats, and nebulous subsidiaries, supervisory processes will discourage AI development, further entrench large tech incumbents, and do little to protect citizens, the attorney general said. A House Judiciary Committee report on Tuesday found that AI tools were developed, being developed by the Biden administration could be used to censor alleged disinformation on an industrial scale. The Republican-led Judiciary Committee said the Biden administration is spending millions of taxpayer dollars on AI tools to combat alleged misinformation, which could then be utilized by big tech companies. Grants from the National Science Foundation are going to the Mass Institute of Technology, the University of Wisconsin-Madden, Madison and the University of Michigan for a problem called trust and authenticity in communication systems. Although the programs can help remove child sex abuse materials and deep fake photos, lawmakers such as House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan believe that these tools could also be used to censor um, happy platforms such as to, to be used by censor happy platforms such as YouTube, Reddit, and Facebook to censor free speech. Venture capitalist Mark Andresen wrote last June how AI could be used to stifle free speech. Quote, AI is highly likely to be the control layer for everything in the world. You should be aware of how a small and isolated group of partisan social engineers are trying to determine that right now, under cover of age-old claim that they are protecting you, they are developing this censorship mechanism. Be afraid. Be very afraid. AI is a powerful tool. And, of course, you can expect the lawless Marxists to violate the Constitution and the rule of law to use it against us. So I came up with this picture that I think will have an impact, and I'll put it on our, our podcast page so you can share it, with a particular age group that loves the Star Wars story. And I, I put this together because every time I see Biden, he looks very ashen, and he reminds me of the emperor of the evil empire. And so this meme says, if you vote with the left for the left, you are not with the rebel alliance. You are with the evil empire. 
and you are. And I think if you share this around on your Facebook, social media, you know, Twitter, whatever, just send it out in emails and texts, I think that a certain group of people who vote with the left think they're the rebel alliance, but they're the evil empire. That graphic will, will affect them. Just another way to fight back, okay? All right, that wraps up the news for the week. You know, I asked you to contact your congressman and the, the jail about Jake Lang. I asked you to contact your House and Senate about this, you know, UCC Section 8 that steals your money, right? I asked you in Oklahoma to tell you know, the people their good job on the ban on pride flags and to contact your reps to do that. Every week at the We The People Convention website on our podcast page, at the bottom, I list all the stories with the links to the articles and the chapters video, which links to the video. And at the bottom, I say, this week's to-do list. Here are the things we're asking you to do. It doesn't mean anything if you just listen to this podcast and don't take action. We're not going to win if we don't take action. I put it there for you every week to take action, okay? That's how you win. And then you donate to our, you know, fund the fight, our 2024 victory fund, and get others to do that. This is a super PAC. Companies can give. Organizations can give. Nonprofits can give. Go to them. Go to people you know and say, can you help fund the fight? You can give any amount. Any amount. Whereas if, you know, in regular PACs, there's limits, all that stuff. In a super PAC, someone can give us a million dollars. can give us 15 million. A guy just gave $15 million to a Democrat super PAC. Okay? Help us raise the money. Now, I have one more ask for you guys. If you're a longtime viewer, you know that I was one of the people who led the fight against the IRS targeting of the Tea Party. Okay, spent six years in court with Jay and Jordan Seculo and the ACLJ, and we defeated the IRS and the U.S. government twice. We won $3.2 million, and we won court orders to stop them from doing stuff. One of the characteristics of the IRS targeting the Tea Party was that Tea Party leaders were getting these really aggressive letters from the IRS saying, I want to know the names of all your members. I want uh, to know everyone who's spoken to your group. I want to know how much money you raised. All things they had no right to know. Okay, under the guise of this is how you qualify for your 501c3 or 501c4 status. But what was problem was that lots of people were getting those, but they were embarrassed. They, they never got letters from the IRS. They're regular people. They pay their taxes. They have anything to do with the IRS. So they didn't talk about it. It's only by accident that we found out that this was a plan to target the entire Tea Party movement nationally. That actually happened on a conference call we held where people started, yeah, I got a letter too. I got a letter too. So I have an ask for you guys. Something's going on and I'm suspicious about it. And I need your feedback. I need you to go to anyone you know who was at January 6th. Didn't even have to be at the Capitol. Just had to be at DC on the ellipse or whatever. Who's on social security. I want you to ask them if they've gotten any letters from the social security administration lately. Changing you know, their social security or questioning something or asking them questions. I really need to know this because I'm suspicious that they're using January 6th to target us through the Social Security Administration. Don't know if that's true. Got some evidence. I need you to help me. Please 
ask anyone you know who was in D.C. on January 6th, who's on Social Security, if they've gotten any communications lately from the Social Security Administration that seems out of whack, abnormal, changes in their what they're getting. Send it to me at info at wethepeopleconvention.org. Matter of fact, you know, you, anybody that has questions about this podcast, have suggestions for future podcasts, you can write to me at info at wethepeopleconvention.org. On our podcast page, I even have a thing right above the podcast that says, you know, tell Tom about this podcast. So you can reach me very easily. So send that information to us and any other questions you've got. But most of all, tell people about this podcast. Please share it because it's real simple. If we're going to take action and be effective, the more people we have who take action, the more effective we're going to be, right? So when I say call your congressman about Jake Lang or call the jail, if you know there's 5,000 of us to do, that's one thing. But if you share the podcast and we get 10,000 people to do it, it's a lot better, right? That's why I ask you to share the podcast. It's our way of informing people who are being lied to every day. Every day, Joe Biden came on TV to lie right to your face. Said, I wasn't found guilty. Yes, you were. It says right in the report. You didn't have secret dockets. Yes, you did. It's right in the report. My memory is fine. Except you couldn't remember the president of Mexico and Syria or where they got the rosary from. That's what your fellow citizens are subject to. This show brings clarity. That's why I asked you to share it. You can't fight your enemy if you don't know the truth. That's what we're about, okay? So share the podcast, help us fund the fight, take the actions I've asked you to take, go to wethepeopleconvention.org on the podcast page and take advantage of the links and the chapter player and all that stuff. But whatever you do, start fighting like hell right now because this is it. We're in 2024. It's not years away anymore. It's right now. However you can fight, personally, whatever fight you can fight and win, do it and then move on to the next fight. But do not relent. Do not relent. Everything's on the line. Everything. Your life, your freedom, your prosperity, my prosperity, my freedom, my life, your kids, your grandkids, our country and the world. Everything is on the line. There is no excuse. There is no holding back. There is no, I'm tired, I can't fight anymore. You got to be like Rocky Balboa and just pull yourself up after getting punched in the face a million times and still keep pounding them in the stomach. Keep breaking those ribs. Okay? No quit. Now's the time to fight in every and any way you can. All right? Okay. God willing, we'll both be back next week. I hope that you have a good week. Be a happy warrior. Celebrate some of the good things in this podcast. You know, look for some good news and celebrate it. Talk about it. Okay? Have a good week. And then we'll be back again next Saturday. You've been listening to the We The People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. And my name is Tom Zawistowski. God bless you all. And God bless America.
Why?